In this episode, Nelson Nash and I discuss life, history, and economics. See, it's just like things that you know about, like uh, old uh, David Irving, uh, a real historian. Uh, uh, he didn't sit in the fire in a hot, in an ivory tower and uh, uh, pull down this particular history book here and read it, and then read this history book, and then read this history book, and so forth, and then write his own book, quoting those guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so forth. He calls it uh, intellectual incest. <laughs> but you know, he, he went uh, uh, personally to these places for years and met and uh, talked to people and uh, looked at documents and diaries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, that that's real history. Yes, but he was one of the few authors at the time that could fluently speak and write journal. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, that's it. That's real history. And see, on a very minor, minor, minor uh, example, uh, years ago, uh, one of my favorite places to go to is Midway, uh, Utah. Uh, there's a little bed and breakfast there called the Blue Boar Inn. And uh, uh, that's, it's totally uh, German area. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I was recommended to it by, uh, one of our, uh, practitioners years ago, his father-in-law, uh, ran the Blue Boar Inn. And so, uh, we have uh, been back several times and, uh, Jay Niederhauser, the guy that, uh, runs it, uh, has become a real good friend. Well, uh, we spend a lot of time together every time I go there and he always has meals with us and we jaw and jaw. Anyway, he had written, he had read this book that, uh, uh, we, uh, that, uh, he had, uh, somehow or another came up in the conversation. It's called between the lines. Now the, uh, back in the, uh, days of the wars that we were just telling about, the uh, French built the Maginot Line to protect themselves against them damn Germans, mm-hmm. and the Germans built the, the Siegfried Line to protect themselves against them, the French people. <laughs> All right, uh, Herr Mueller uh, is about eight months younger than me. He grew up between the lines. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the little town that uh, he lived in, his father was in the fence business and so forth and spoke fluent French and uh, German. And uh, there was no military uh, target there in that place at all. But what the uh, Bomber Harris did uh, to that area is unbelievable. So forth. All right, now, as a result of him being close to my age, uh, so forth, he's telling about what it was like growing up between the lines during the time I was in America doing, you know, our American stuff, whatever. Well, uh, anyway, uh, her, uh, or shucks, Jay Niederhauser gave me the book. He says, I'm just about through with it. Uh, 
And so uh, anyway, I read it, and then I uh, uh, found out later that Hermula, the uh, author, uh, became an American citizen and was uh, located in Sarasota, Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, David, uh, you know, David Stearns, uh, his parents lived in Sarasota, Florida. Now, uh, David and I had a, a trip to make to uh, Orlando for a seminar, and uh, Mary and, uh, and uh Kim went along with us. Then we went over to Sarasota to be with uh, David's parents. And so uh, I found the contact information with uh, Herb Mueller. And I called him and uh, he answered the phone and I said, Herb Mueller. (laughs) He started answering me in German and I said, sir, that's all the German I got right now. (laughs) But, but, but we got an immediate appointment with him, and David and I went over and spent over two hours with him. Wow. And they, uh, James, that's real history. Right. You're learning what actually went on. Yeah. Anyway, so we got autographed copies of, uh, of, those, of his books and so forth. And, uh, that was a wonderful experience, and uh, it's a it's a good practice to hunt these folks down when you get an opportunity like that and go meet them one-on-one, learn what it's really like. Sure, sure. See, let's go back to old David Irving, for instance. Uh, you know, uh, he uh, uh, learned, he, he got intrigued by it all because of what happened to, to Dresden. And that was that fellow worker in the steel mill that uh, he, when, when uh, the when the German guy got off of, of uh, duty, that uh, he came and he slept in the same bed that uh, uh, David Irving slept in for the previous six hours or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the way you got to know him and got to learning about Dresden because people didn't really talk about Dresden at all, and so he went there and learned firsthand and such. Anyway. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Bama Harris. Uh, you know anything about Bama Harris? Only from uh, you, what I've learned from you. Okay, he was he was uh, their version of uh, Curtis LeMay here in America, and uh, uh, I was in the Air Force for a couple of years under Curtis LeMay, and I don't particularly uh, admire his life at all. Anyway, the British. So, Right, Obama yeah. Harris. Yeah, Obama Harris is the one who just obliterated that little town that uh, Herb Mueller lived in mm-hmm. and so forth. Okay. Anyway, uh, David Irving uh, had, uh, he met uh, Obama Harris and interviewed him and so forth. And he says, uh, uh, Dresden? And Obama uh, Harris says, uh, I would never have done that, but it was ordered by Churchill. Well, our history books tell you what a wonderful guy Churchill was, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, there, you, there some well you, uh, if I could say, there, there is some interesting uh, information, new information to me. <laughs> that, uh, uh, 
about Churchill going back to the Boer War, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and Gandhi. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Gandhi was down there also during that time. So right, but Bomber Harris would have never done that, but he was no. ordered by Churchill. Yes. Yeah. Because you learn all about uh, Churchill uh, from several areas there, particularly if you go uh, listen to David uh, Irving. But uh, there's other books out there that tell the truth about that big time, too. Buchanan uh, wrote a book, Hitler and Churchill and the Unnecessary War, and said it's odd how history pitted those two against each other because they were both so alike that uh, they were both warmongers uh, big time. It, it's kind of like a mosaic. You know, you have to get a little here and a little there. Yeah, sure. You've got to search for it. There's no question. But you you can put the mosaic together. Sure. Know, read and, um, but you take someone like David Irving, he was, he's been outcast. You know, he's been labeled. and Sure. Always almost delisted the way they de demonetize people today on on social media you know that's been going on that that kind of censorship has been going on a long time yeah they've uh from what i can tell they've done everything they could to you know label him as a racist and delist him and depromote him and you know i think his uh uh there's been some book burnings of his in europe so, well, consider that uh, the guy that probably uh, got all uh, this uh, information ferreted out uh, was Quigley back there years ago, mm-hmm. uh, Carol Quigley. And uh, when he wrote his book, uh, that 1,300-some-odd-page uh, book, uh, Tragedy and Hope, uh, he had a heck of a time getting it published and so forth. Well. Also, the other two books that uh, I've told you about recently, uh, one is The Hidden Secret of uh, the Start of World War I, and the other one, uh, Prolonging the Agony. Uh, the first book, uh, they had a heck of a time getting it published to the point where uh, they were very reluctant even to try to come up with a second book, mm-hmm. Prolonging the Agony. But Prolonging the Agony is... Uh, so very, very revealing. There is no way that you can understand the last 120 years of, uh, of civilization without understanding the Boer War and what started and how it has grown by top, grown right topsy since that time. And you end up with folks like uh, the uh, Dulles brothers and so forth. My word, uh, what awful, awful people. Uh, but uh, that's just the way it was. Now, James, uh, uh, you know, old Cecil Rhodes had that idea. You had that, that uh, secret society, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember f- uh, full well now, uh, after having uh, read all this, it dawned on me that uh, during Eisenhower's time, uh, he he saw very much something similar to that. Sure. Well, but uh, when you go back to the one, I have to uh, put a little bit more enlightenment about uh, Eisenhower's Ryan Meadows' death camp. Mm-hmm. 
the real instigator of that was Morgenthau. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was through orders from uh, uh, Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. Well, he was he Morgenthau went back to uh, FDR's cabinet, didn't? Oh, he? good Lord, yes, yes, oh. exactly. In yeah. that uh, Fruits of Graph by yeah. Wayne Jett, that book he uh, there he Wayne Jett. Uh, read a lot of the correspondence and even the diaries. Yeah, uh, Morgenthau and another guy I can't remember. Yeah, FDR. It's it's been thick, thick, thick the whole last century with these sure. guys carrying out their plans. Uh, and people have no earthly idea. Yeah, no. When you talk about these kind of guys, you know they label you as a you know a conspiracy theorist or racist uh -huh. or whatever it takes to you know shun you right because i say you you in the big wide world um you know that's, that reminds me of like eustace mullins you know in the work sure did. um you know labeled uh banned books and burning yeah. the, the books and you know no having a really hard time getting them in print and um but part of the mosaic you know yeah Part of well, people got to be aware that there's, this, there's so much of this stuff going on out there, but uh, what uh, what they don't see is the imperative of uh, controlling the money function at the you and me level totally through free contract with other free people. You can create that um, environment that the black community had there on a widespread basis, which we really have right now. Uh, through life insurance because it's free contract with other free people. Uh, that's why that uh, four paragraphs or so in um, uh, Peter B. Bose's book about uh, Shucks, uh, I can't think of his title right now, but uh, uh, here he was working on a project to improve upon uh, some project that had come up earlier that's just the way those things always work. Uh, it, somebody comes up, comes up with this central planning of some court and it, it will never work. So there's always uh, an improvement with another layer of it and mm -hmm. so forth. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it dawned on it just all of a sudden that this is absurd, that uh, through contract, all this is, all can be done now. At the you and me level, because yes. you know when we abdicate our responsibility to yes. perform the banking function, yes. the people that we've just mentioned and we've talked about—that's who we're abdicating the responsibility to, and yes. they don't have our best interest at heart at all. Well, you see, the whole life insurance community, because of what we just talked about earlier, there it is a closed society type thing because it's all dealing with real money. Life insurance companies cannot inflate the money supply. And why did they come up with inflating the money supply back there in 1913? Anyway, war. That's right, and profits. War is yep. a profit machine. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Now, you'll never understand the creation of... Uh, the nation of Israel is renewed today without uh, going back there to uh, understanding uh, 
prolong into agony and uh, so many, so very few folks know anything about Balfour Declaration and so forth. And uh, they don't know anything about, uh, you know, the war started in 1914 and in just 1915, here's the Sykes-Picot uh, agreement about uh, how the French and the British were going to divide up the Mideast there. And so the French got Syria and the, uh, the British got the uh, Palestinian area, whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, meddling in the lives of these people, uh, okay, the, the empire that uh, old uh, Rhodes uh, envisioned, we have it now. Yes, absolutely. It's called the American Empire. 800 military installations of some sort or another around the world. Uh, there's no need for it at all. No, well, they might. But every, every bit of it is based on fear. Yeah, right. See, I'm leading the movement to change the name of Washington, D.C. to the Fear Factory because everything that goes on there, that is the common denominator. Well, you need to make it more complicated, right, the name. Yeah, more well, you, they, they, create, they create a problem, and then they present a solution to the problem they created, but people just sit there and take it, and that's absurd. They keep doing it because it works. Well, yes, of course. You know, so, yeah, that's this very interesting, <clears throat> very interesting. You know, the bigger picture of what's really going on in the big wide world, you know, if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do at the UN yep. meeting, although um, controlling the banking function is, is beneficial to the family, the community, for the legacy, generations to come. Um, and it's really, really very, very simple. Very simple. You know, I know in the years ago, and it's still true, I mean, the uh, four basics that that you have said over and over, and I know <laughs> modified from time to time, but number one, you have to think long range. Yeah. Well, it's okay to know real history if you're uh, thinking long range, right? But think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Don't yeah. be money in and then practice honesty you know we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier with leonard reed and tulsa and envy you know i talk quite often about the devastation of theft right yes um it's devastating but yes. range don't be afraid to capitalize be an honest banker and then don't do business with banks other than checking and savings. And then in the last few years, you've added um, change your thinking or rethink your thinking. Yeah, because you see, I named the whole concept infinite. Well, how do you describe infinite? You can't. And so as time goes by, you see things that you didn't see before and you build on the things that, uh, that you have built and cast away the uh, stuff that uh, obviously doesn't work. Uh, it's obvious that uh, the banking function is in the hands of the wrong dang people. Well, you can't change it top down because the secret elite has, has mastered that because they're dealing with the, uh, the, uh, the weakness of people. Uh, the, the, the idea that 
they just don't want to think. Uh, that's, you know, uh, who was it that said 5% of the people think, 10% uh, think that they think, 85% would rather die than think. Uh, it's true. And so, uh, you know, you can build a, a community, for instance, uh, when, when putting all this together, you know, Kim and Dave, uh, Kim in, uh, is my youngest daughter. They uh, live just three quarters of a mile away. And uh, so uh, years ago, when I began to teach all this to them, and uh, they ended up uh, living here and, and working with uh, me, uh, money has not left our community in over 30 years. Now, when you do that, you see, you got the same thing as that black community that I was telling you about a while ago, but on a, mini a miniature scale. But we're doing it through a big scale, which is the, uh, the concept of free contract with other free people that call life insurance, a place they cannot inflate the money supply. So therefore, it's real money. You know, you, uh, <clears throat> that's not all that you've done, but, um, a major, uh, work that you've really done in economics is just at its scale to what's sure. going on. Sure. Yeah, that's precisely. At its scale. I think that blows people's mind. You know, the, uh, that blows people's mind. Listen to me, the, the educated, mm -hmm. anonymous. you know, you can't get past the word life insurance. Right, the financial yeah. guru. Uh -huh. Well, you're just selling a product, and uh, yeah, and, you know we you teach you you have written and said, and, and I agree and have repeated that. You know, banking is a process; it is not a product. You can bank no. with anything, but whenever you understand or just see, it's not complicated. Whenever you see the structure of life insurance, it has all the characteristics of a financing entity. Yeah. And it, it's so simple. Um, so I don't want to belabor that, but you have added scale to mm -hmm. life insurance, even beyond what, you know, the, the home office of a life insurance company can imagine, right? No. They didn't come up with this, right? No. The gurus didn't come up with this concept, this idea, this absolute ability. Um, Wall Street didn't come up with it. No. You know, it's right back to your uh, top-down thinking it won't work. It's a bottom-up. Couple with the fact that you'll notice that uh, uh, in corporations there, how long is the CEO uh, in, in office, huh? Right until the values of the company go down or he takes his big, yeah, yeah. you know, stock options. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, they, they, pa they pass right through. And, yeah. and uh, that's not going to work. Uh, but yet that's the model that everybody goes through. And uh, that's, that's absurd. And so uh, getting the banking function at you and me level is the most important people, uh, the most important thing that a person can do. Uh, it's a spiritual activity when you get right down to it, no question. Well, all right, uh, if you will be a banker, uh, then uh, you gotta have customers. Well, who should be your best customer? Me. You? Well, <laughs> If you're going to uh, have you as a customer, are you going to lend money to a fool? Uh, no, no, sir. 
well, it should be, should be pretty simple, shouldn't it? <laughs> don't, don't lend money to a fool. He's going to steal from you, whatever. All right. Anyway, uh, so I asked people uh, that uh, aren't familiar with this concept, uh, uh, do you get compensated for what you do? Yeah. Well, what do you get? I get money. Well, it comes to you in the form of a check or electronics, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, where does it go to first? To my bank. Whose bank? Oh, 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 somebody else's bank. <laughs> they get all your money, don't they? Yeah. Well, if you owned a bank, wouldn't you do all your business with you? I rest my case. But you see, this doesn't, this doesn't compute in their minds that anybody can do it. But you can't do it overnight. It's got to be a transition period. Well, uh, anything that you do out there is that way. Good grief. Uh, just take a baby. Heaven, how long does a baby exist before he can walk or so? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, he crawls before he walks, before he, he uh, runs, before he can become a Roger Bannister and run a four-minute mile. And, <laughs> you know, that was a barrier in people's mind, and then they, everybody was breaking the four-minute mile. But up to that time, they couldn't do it because you just couldn't go any faster than that. <laughs> yeah, all the limitations of uh, most individuals rest right square between their ears. Yeah. Yeah, I say there's a war going on out there, but people don't understand that the battlefield is only six inches wide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, Nelson, I've got to, I've got to jump off here. I know you're a busy guy too. So, can we schedule up another phone call? Uh, probably. Yeah, you're a busy guy, <laughs> but you can work us in, right? I'm, I'm desperate for something to do. <laughs> <laughs> right, desperate for something to do. <laughs> Listen, to, uh, man, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, have any parting words? Well, uh, we uh, come across good thoughts and good uh, inspirations and stuff out there, no matter who you are. They're out there. Uh, I've been blessed probably more than anybody in the world. Uh, anyway, uh, so I call that superior seeds of thought. And the uh, idea is to plant them into uh, fertile soil. And uh, so that means somebody's got to be a listener that is hunting, whatever. All right, up comes the uh, superior plants from those superior seeds and so forth. But the caveat is that you're also going to get something else out there you didn't plant, and that's weeds. Now, if the weeds are abundant crop to the point where you can't even hardly see the, uh, the good crop, uh, if you just learn to recognize weeds and get rid of those dang things, uh, the truth stands out like a sore thumb. It's ridiculously simple, but this is something that people don't think about. They're too uh, too overwhelmed by watching the dang weeds. So learning to 
recognize utter nonsense and get rid of it is important, very important. Yeah. Recognize the weeds. See, recognize what's going on. And oh, but it's so much fun to uh, see those seeds come up in uh, in fertile mines, and uh, so that brings me to a guy named James Nethery. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate that, Nelson. Well, remember, uh, I've told this story about Bill back in my forestry days in North Carolina. Uh, you remember I'm an aviator. Uh, I was president of the Chamber of Commerce in Smithfield, North Carolina when I was 30 years old. And being the uh, president, that meant that I got to pick the uh, speaker for the annual meeting. Well, I picked Bill Piper, Piper Aircraft. And one of the messages that he got across to us, he says, you have a telephone. Big deal. If somebody else doesn't have a telephone, you don't have a thing. Well, extrapolate that. You can have the greatest thought in the world. You can have the greatest means of communicating that uh, thought. You can may have the greatest delivery of that thought. But if you don't have somebody listening out there, nothing happens. So it's not the message. It's people recognizing the message and taking the baton and running with it. Thank you. You're, you, sir, are welcome. But that, that reminds me, Leonard Reed, the audience of one. Yes. Right. Most people want to be entertained, so they go to events, speakers, you know, listening to speakers and whatnot. <clears throat> and the speaker delivers his message, right, to the mass group, the large group. <clears throat> but always there's a meeting after the meeting. Yeah. Right? Yep. Invariably, there's the one who was supposed to hear and connect. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. I love that. I hear, I hear Leonard read through you quite often. Well, <laughs> the more I read about Leonard Reed, the more I hear him through Nelson Nash. Well, he, so. uh, he was, he was a fantastic contact. I'll tell you, uh, uh, uh can't say enough. Can't say enough. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's, let's continue this conversation, uh, at a, at a later date, maybe the next okay. week or so. Uh, adios day. amigo. All right. Have a great day. Tell Mary we love her. Thank you. Same. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the content, leave us a like or a thumbs up, share us with your friends, give us some feedback, and we'll see you next time.